Hi friends, welcome to Lokthor's audio-only Let's Plays. The, um, the, I don't know, whatever the, what is the meme opening I'm supposed to be using lately? Uh, I've been, I've been making jokes about the Milk in It podcast, which you all should listen to. I've been listening to a lot of Milk in It podcast episodes at work, and I've been really enjoying that. Um, I listened to a Turtle Power, <clears throat> Turtle Power episode. Um, and, well, what's it? The game where we play game, Tur Turtle Power presents the Power Playthroughs podcast with your host, Turtle Power. Um, the podcast where we play games in a powerful way, push A and hope for the best. <clears throat> Actually, the game, the, the podcast I want to... I want to promote the most at this moment because it gives me the most like warm feelings in my heart is the skeleton house podcast. Now I'm, I'm sorry to everyone else, but the skeleton house podcast has this, um, delightful little whistling tune. I don't know if it's, they've been doing deadly premonitions for season one. I don't know if the tune is like from is from the game or if it's just a tune that Brett found and uses to sort of as an intro tune, but it's just sort of this upbeat, whistly tune with like a kazoo softly playing in the background, which isn't a phrase that a person ever thinks that they're going to have to say, that there's a kazoo softly playing in the background. But then here we are. And um, every time, uh, it's like, it's got some acoustic guitar it feels like there's some sort of stringed instrument. It feels like an acoustic guitar because it's got a it's got a low, warm, full sound. Not like a banjo, which is you know kind of high, or like a harp, which is kind of thin. So I'm pretty sure it's that's that's in a standard acoustic guitar. And every time that tune comes on, I'm just like, yeah, this is this is the time to relax because we're gonna have a good time now. Um. So if you if you other podcasts want to get on get on the really great thing put in some put in some good theme music and and make it be soft relaxing theme music. Um anyway, so <laughs> this is a long intro. What happened is that I played like three and a half I wanted to play like an hour of Planescape Torment. I said to myself, oh, you know, I'll just play some Planescape Torment because uh, I had run out of out of runway. This this episode is recorded exactly the night before it gets put out, and then I, you know, once you're already recording for like an hour, you might as well record it for like an hour and a half, make two episodes, give yourself. You know, on a different day, you can take a day off because you had, you had an episode in the bank. And I kind of kept doing that until it got to three and a half hours. And I wasn't even totally out of energy at that point. But I knew that I would have to do some editing as well after I, after I did this. So um, I've loaded up an Audacity. I'm, I'm chopping it down into... A respectable segment and here we're gonna have an episode so then the next few Planescape Torment episodes 
are going to be from this same session. And I have non-Planescape Torment episodes in the bag, don't worry. Um, there's some upcoming stuff that you're really going to like. There's uh, a return to Ocarina of Time with the brother. That's, that's going to be it's going to be fun. And so if you think that it works to just do a big long session and then kind of really, really coarsely cut it up. We're not doing like a, a cut back and forth between editor Logothor and player Logothor like you'd get from a no cat or a skeleton pod. This is just like, I'm going to record a long thing and then cut it in half. This is this is more of like the, the Troy style editing school of thought where it's just like me and Troy just have big blasts and chunks and people that are extra pro editors like like your Dan K's and your Bills that like put in the little sound drops and stuff. I don't I don't have that skill. Um and kind of rambling on. Anyway, uh, let me know what you think. And if you don't say anything, this is one of those situations where I will just take your silence as approval to keep on doing what I'm doing. Um, and before we get into it, you know, be kind to each other, be, um, be good people, um, ACAB. Where are we? We're in the Smoldering Corpse Bar. And, uh... What are my notes? Um... Gathering Dust Bar, Smoldering Corpse Area, Hive Marketplace. Oh, you can talk to Reekwind. I think we talked to Reekwind in the other alternate play, but we didn't... Oops. Haha, that's what you get for trying to accost us in the street. Your rusty dagger and your life are now ours. Dun dun dun. We got attacked by one of these rando uh, gangsters. You'd think that they would eventually realize hey, those are the people that kill everyone who fights them. Maybe we shouldn't fight them. But oh, that's just me. Um, let's see. So, we're going to talk to a guy named Requind. Uh, let's see. We've talked to him before. Um, do I read all the intro stuff? Because, like, basically we're going to talk, we talked to him before, but we're going to, like, take a different conversation path now. This is the guy who had the... His name is Reekwind, and his um, his smell is so bad that it like constantly talks about how his smell, he's got reeking breath and the smell of urine and feces surrounds him. Uh, so if you ask him at first, he says... Updated my journal. Um, he asks you... <sighs> okay, let me gather my thoughts. Okay, Requend says that true names have power. Um, and he job. tells us the story of how he was... He let his name slip 
once, and then he was cursed with stenches and smells. Um, let's see. Let's have a story. For three copper, let's listen to a story. He takes the copper, gums it, then, to your surprise, he swallows it. Best purse, best purse there is, belly, belly. He gives a reeking wheeze. A story, a story, he smacks his lip, scratching his dirty rags. We can wait for him to choose a story. We can say, I'd like to hear the story about how you are cursed. Here we can say. I'd like to hear the story of the man who came to the city without name or memory and spoke with the cursed storyteller who warned him of the danger of names. That's our story, friends. That's us. This is going to be fun. Requin stops twitching and scratches for a moment, stares at you. That tale, that tale costs nothing, for it is worth nothing. It, it is worth noting that it would be a sad tale indeed. Nevertheless, I would hear it. Where would such a tale begin? Requin grunts and gives a reeking wheeze that makes your eyes tear up. He seems to be thinking. It would begin with a man waking up in the mortuary, believed dead, but in truth, only his memories are dead. Requin nods, then studies you and starts scratching himself violently, as if to give himself scars. Dead, but not dead. No memories, no memories, no name. He escapes the mortuary enters the hive, and speaks to a man who lets his true name slip once and regretted it. Requin seems hypnotized by your words. Yes, yes, much danger in naming. Perhaps, he pauses, perhaps the man to whom the nameless one speaks is a warning of the dangers of names. He seems to chew this over. Perhaps he who has forgotten his name is better off? Is he? Is it better to suffer the truth with all its consequences, or is it better to remain ignorant? Which of the two men is better off? Requin gives a hacking cough, then spits, spittle green and wet, then turns back to you. It is your question, your tale, he speaks slowly. It is you must who must answer it. Uh, let's see. Oh, I have some options. I can say, I want to hear your answer. I can say the man who knows his true name is better off, or he knows himself and is a stronger person for it. That's like the Dacron answer. I'm, gonna, I'm voting for that so far. The man who has forgotten his true name is better off, for he is protected against those who would do harm to him, including himself. Where a named man moves, he is followed. When a nameless one moves... His name leaves no trail. That's we're gonna call that the uh, Mort answer, um, um, and then I can say never mind. Um, I'm gonna say the man who knows his true name is better than off, for he knows himself and is the stronger person for it. I would know. Big asterisks. Hey, we get some experience. Requin mulls this over, licking his lips. He begins to nod slowly, then mumbles under his breath, as if debating with himself. Eventually, he turns back to you. This is a tale. A tale with a moral that tells the teller's morals. He coughs and spits another phlegmy gob onto the cobblestones. A tale that will answer itself in time. In time? Now I have three truths I can pick. I can say truth, perhaps what happens will happen, and it may be that this tale has no answer. Truth, it must have an answer, and every tale has an ending. I will refuse to accept it any other way. 
Truth, I do not know. It is not for me to decide. Hmm. Let's see. Hmm. I'm going to say it must have an answer. And I will refuse to accept it any other way, because we're going to play this game and force an answer out of it, even if no one wants to tell me where our damn journal is. Requin scratches himself for a moment, nodding, then reaches you into the folds of his robe and flicks you a coin. For such a tale? A clipped copper. He sneers. No more, for the tale's not finished. A fair price. Very well, then. All right. That was cool. Um, we can also decurse Requind somehow, but nah, I guess we can't do that right now. Uh, let's see. Um, I'm going to save that. That sounds good. Let's see. Five. Oh, there's a hive thug. Near death. He's running around like a crazy boy. Um, mm, I don't trust the gith. I say we leave him behind. Wow, that's a little racist. Um, Crier of S. Anon. This guy's a special name. Crier of S. Anon. Streams of tears have carved channels down this man's dust-covered face. He looks to be a monk or a holy man of some sort but the dirt covering his body makes it nearly impossible to see the man beneath. He is chanting and rolling his head back and forth. It looks like some sort of ritual. Uh, greetings. The man stops his frenzied chanting and glares at you with his tear-rimmed eyes. He opens his parched mouth to speak, but all he can manage is a withered croak. What's wrong? Why are you crying? I... His voice is so hoarse that it sounds like he has been without water for days. As you watch, a tear trickles down his face. I am a crier of Essanon. Essanon? Who is that? Journal. Who, who is Essanon? The man throws back his head and gives a rasping laugh. It sounds brutal and defeated. Essanon is not a man, but a city. Why do you cry for a city? We cry its name because Essanon must not be forgotten. All the criers of Essanon carry this burden. You mourn a city? Why would you do such a thing? Because its name is all that remains. Its avenues of light, its great spiraling box. When it was laid waste and reduced to memory, only three score of its people survived. It was our duty to see that its name was remembered across the plains. Many cries of Essanon have died for the sake of remembering. Many. If it places you and the others at risk, why don't you stop? The tears I shed, the dust that cloaks me, these things are as nothing compared to what awaits should I give up my sacred burden. We must see to it that his name is remembered. We are living memorials to its passage. If, what, if that's so, then what happens if you all die? A fresh tear springs to the crier's eye. Even his dust-caked face cannot disguise his look of despair. I do not know. 
We cry as others anon cannot mourn it forever. Even now the dust clings to our robes, the spit dries in our mouth, our bodies wither and die. Is there any way I could help you? You are kind to ask, the crier shakes his head. Unless you can immortalize Essanon, there is no help to be had. Uh, must it be immortalized by a man? Would a tombstone serve? The crier blinks. Tombstone? It's a stone that records a man's name, his life, and a eulogy. If it serves a man, could it not also serve a city that has died? Stones may do such things. Yes, and their lifetime is much longer than a man's. If its name was carved on stone, would Essanon's memory be served? The man pauses. Would others see this name? Yes, it would be there for all to see, long after you have died. The man nods. If such a thing were possible, he turns to you. Where would one find such a stone? Uh, I could go look for one. If I find one, I could see to it that Essanon's name is carved upon it. You... You would do this, I... The man's eyes water up again. You would be setting all the cries of Essanon free. But a score of us remain. The burden of remembering would be over after so many years. I would do so. I would return when the name is carved. Wow, that guy has a pretty... Pretty rough, uh, pretty rough job. Also, crap, I need some water. I've got a lot of drinks here, friends. Um, wow. Doing that impression was not easy on the throat. But, um, I liked it. A clipped copper piece? Oh, a clipped copper piece. I thought that the clipped copper piece was like a joke, and that it was just one copper of message. But it's it, one copper of normal, normal copper money. But... It's like a special token. Uh, let's go to the Dustman Monument. Uh, and surely someone here. Oh, Death of Names. You see a Dustman with a crooked smile frozen on his face. Despite the, the smile, his eyes are dull as stones. His right arm is shorter than the left, and he keeps it tucked into his side, as if cradling a small child. Greetings. The dustman's eyes slide over you. Name. The way he speaks the word. It sounds like the tolling of a bell. I I don't know. No name. No name. Can't help you. The dustman speaks. Oh, in a curious sing-song voice. No name. No name. Can't help you. Need to give a name if you want to see where it's died. Updated my journal. What? Given a name when you're born, given it back when you need it no more. Death of names, death of names. His eyes swim across the monolith, then the walls of the area. Buried many names here, death of names has. Tell me a name, I'll show you its grave. Oh, let's ask for Deonara. His eyes roll to the back of his head, then pop back. With a wild gleam, his eyes run across the walls of the monument, scanning the names at inhuman speed. He then points at a section of the wall. Buried. Examine the spot he's pointing at. Chiseled into the black stone, in tiny, cramped writing, is the name you requested. It is almost lost beneath the sea of names around it. I'd like to bury a name. He nods, then unfolds his small hand from where it is cradled, 
on his side. It looks atrophied. It is the size of a child's hand. Cost a jink to bury a name. Three coppers. Three. Hmm. Essanon. Updated my journal. The coppers fall into Death of Name's hand, and he tucks his arm back to his side. His eyes, now suddenly alive, roll to the back of his head, then snap forward and begin scanning the monolith walls of the memorial area. He catches sight of a spot on the wall, and he quickly scuttles over to it, hunches down, then begins to chip at the wall. He stops a few moments later, hops up, and returns to you. Buried. The word has a finality about it that makes you uncomfortable. Thank you. Farewell. Now, let's go tell that poor crier of Essanon that he can, uh, he can chillax, basically. Maybe I'm we gone. could just get him a drink of water. Like, if he's supposed to be remembering the city, surely he can remember the city and also get a damn drink of water. Man, just thinking about it makes Dumb. me thirsty. Um, oh boy, there's a lot of hive thugs who are all upset. Sometimes they hit Nameless, and it's like, ah, who cares? But then sometimes they hit Dakon, and I'm like, Dakon, get out of there! Where'd you go? Oh, yeah. Okay, Dakon is gonna have to run off. Okay, so, yeah, Dakon is, Dakon is running around, and the thugs mindlessly follow him. Meanwhile, Nameless and Mort I will hear your path is mine. just attack the people that Dakon is, uh running away from and they're doing pretty well true all right and uh that's cool right let me get some little uh trinkets a dirty rat charm a copper earring some copper commons another rusty dagger Oh, this is absolutely worth my time. Um, let's talk to this cry of Essanon. You see the cry of Essanon. He still emits choked sobs as he chants the dead city's name and tears roll down his cheeks. Chill out, man. I have seen to it that Essanon's name has been remembered. It lies carved upon the Blackstone Monument outside the mortuary. Updated my journal. Suddenly there's a brief whisper in the air, and the man's eyes dry. One of the tears that ran on his cheeks simply vanishes. Then Essanon is served. I will tell my fellow criers of the stone you have described. You have my gratitude. Uh, it was nothing. Farewell. I hope you and your brothers spend the rest of your days peacefully. Um, well, that was cool. We've, we've saved... Some sort of unfortunate fellow. Um, so let's go to the northwestern portion of the hive. There we go. Uh, whoa! And then we're immediately attacked by some more stuff. Actually, Dakon is still injured. Dakon, you still get out of there. And then... 
uh, Nameless and Mort, you, you still attack. Floating Skull is actually a shockingly durable ally. And he's got some good hits in there. That was an 8 damage hit. Damn it. Uh-oh. <laughs> they've, they've gone off screen, friends. Oh, there we are. Yeah. Uh, Mort and Nameless, please, please kill this last one. Dakon is running around like a doofus. Now this, this is the turn-based battles that we all, we all wish we had, right, friends? You just, you run around like a silly doofus the whole time. A copper earring. Oh crap! We accidentally transitioned areas instead of just picking up the, instead of just picking up the little treasures. Alright, how many of these hugs could there possibly be? Damn it. Alright. Alright, there we go. And some copper earrings. Five copper coins. Alright. Whew. Um, I'm going to rest. How do we rest? Where's the rest button? Inventory, map, mage, spellbook, rest party. You've rested for one day and zero hours, and Dakon is at full health. There's a lot of Dabas around. Those Pike and Dabas, as, uh, as Mort put it. I like the Dabas. They're nice. Um, let's see... What are the areas here? There's a place called the Flop House. Well, I suppose theoretically we could have gone into the Flop House as a as a place to rest. Um 11 Hmm, 11:14. Near the dead limb limbs, you will encounter a fellow by the name of Mar who gives you a box. at the worst time. In knowing the teachings of Zerthamon, I have become stronger. Oh, that's neat. Dakon is leveled up. Saving throws have improved. Fighting skills have improved. Dakon's weapon has changed. Five hit points gained. One hit point gained from con bonus. He's a fighter mage. Except, so now he's a fighter level four, mage level three. Uh Oh, yes. So the fighter level just went from three to four. Uh, we're at 8,005 out of 16,000. Let's check on Mort. Oh, he's at 12,000 out of 16,000. So that's a, and then and then Nameless is at 24,000 out of 32,000. So just a just a little a little a little tiny bit. So so there's a guy that says Mar. He says, "Come here. Want to earn some chink?" Your first impression of Mar is that he needs a long bath. Preferably away from any creature that has any sense of smell. You can almost see the stench waft from his body in sinister yellow tendrils. He motions you toward he motions toward you frantically in an effort to get you to come over and talk to him. Approach this person and see what he has to say. A look of excitement crosses his face as you approach. Thank you for stopping. My name is Mar, and I have a favor to ask you. I'm listening. It's a matter of life or death. I must deliver in this here box, or it'll be me head for sure. Tis me bad luck, I twisted me legs, something fierce. So will you help me out and deliver this here box for me? I'll deliver the box for you. 
Mar slowly takes out a small box from within the recesses of his ragged clothing. For the briefest of moments, you see a look of regret cross his face. Then it is gone. As he looks at you and his hand, and he hands you the box, a slight shimmer surrounds the box as both you and Mar touch it. A sigh of relief is heard as Mar releases the box into your care. What now? Uh, this needs to be delivered to Quathra. He can usually be found somewhere down in the southeastern section of the hive. Oh, and lest you try and say I didn't warn you, whatever happens, don't open the box and don't leave the hive with the box. Now I'll be off with you. I'll be back when I deliver the box. And then he immediately runs off and he's like, hee hee. So that's suspicious. Um. So he said the south, southeastern portion of the hive. We're in the northwest, so we gotta go around. Do do do. Done. Yeah, southeastern portion of the hive. There's someone named Kuatra. I don't know where Kuatra is, but we're gonna have to look around. Done. Uh, let's see. I see harlots. I see thugs. I see some black abashis. Drunk, aimly, high, angry hive dwellers. Barking wilder. Hive thugs that are uninjured. A hive tout mourns for trees. Gizeri townsperson. I'm gone. Jekai, Brower. Ooh, let's talk to this Gazeri townsperson. This gift turns to face as you approach. Like Dakon, he has a yellow cast to his skin and a gaunt frame. His clothing is a cursed blend of sharp colors and dull, mud-stained browns. The gift's dead black eyes flicker over Dakon, then you. Hmm. I can say Zerkai's kin bow to you or hail Swordringer. I don't see a sword in his hand. I'm going to say Zerkai's kin bow to you. I think that's the correct opening. The Gazera ignores you and turns to Dakon instead. He speaks several clipped words in a strange low tongue. If you understand the inflections correctly, he just said, All beholden, Zerth. Uh, wait and listen to Dakon's reply. Dakon replies in the same tongue. The sentence structure is odd. You think Dakon said, This one is numbered among the faithful. What is he saying, Dakon? The Gazera turns to you as you speak, then turns back to Dakon and speaks again, this time at great length. Hmm, try and translate. You have difficulty deciphering the sentence structure, but you think he said, There is one by Dakon's name who is not of the people. It is said that his mind is divided. It is said that he is a Zerth that does not know the words of Zerthamon. Wait and listen to Dakon's reply. Dakon makes the same reply as before. The tone has changed slightly, but the meaning seems to be intact. This one is numbered among the faithful. Dakon falls silent, as if to give the words time to sink in. The one beside me speaks. Will you hear him? Listen. The gift's response is so quick it almost has the force of an attack behind it. You're not certain if you got the entire meaning, but it seems the gift is issued some sort of challenge to Dakon in the form of a question. Zerth, do you obey the words of this human? Uh... Oh, I can interrupt. Yes, Dakon takes orders from me. He is my servant. 
I can interrupt, I am his superior, Dakon follows me on my journey, and I can wait and see what Dakon says. I'm not Dakon's superior, I'm going to wait. Dakon's reply is a short one, but his speech is slowed, as if he has to drag the words from his throat. Tacha's choice has become mine. Let's listen. The gift falls silent for a time. This manner carries the stink of the illithid about it. His eyes flicker across Dakon's face. I see no chains upon you. You speak your mind. How did this blasphemy come to be? Dakon speaks slowly again. The chains are my own. His skin seems to take on an ashen shade as he speaks. It sounds like every word is slowly killing him. Anarch of a hundred years, there is no hourglass that can measure the tale. The matter is as twisted as Fihir's roots. Its resolution is one of the impossibility and may never come. Dakon frowns, then his voice strengthens. The one beside me speaks. Will you hear him? Gith does not look at you. His attention is focused on Dakon. He may speak. I will hear him. Dakon turns to you. He will hear you. If you could ask him, Your words are known to me, the Githsarai interrupts. Face me and speak your mind. I will hear you. Uh, very well, I had some questions. Akalai's drowning. Shrine recalls the translation. Akalai's drowning, essentially, a question whose answer would serve no purpose. This is usually a request to the speaker to make a vague or useless question more specific. And then, a footnote, a little tiny asterisk at the top of this paragraph that is bigger than everything I just read. Footnote, the Gezerai make their home on the outer plains of Limbo, a plane of chaos. Stability can only be achieved by shaping the chaotic matter of the plane with the mind. Focus and discipline are necessary for this occur. Akali is a foolish Gezerai of mist of myth who was lost in limbo, and she was barely able to form an island around herself. While adrift in the chaos matter, she met a plane walker who was offered to who offered to help. Akali asked so many useless and unfocused questions on how to return home, however, that the Isle of Matter dissolved around her, and she drowned in limbo. Uh let's see. Oh. Let me be more specific then. Can you tell me what there is of interest around here? You are not known to me. What is interesting to you may not interest me. I'm interested in work. There is little work here. You can hunt rats for bounties. You can gather the dead. I see. I had some other specific questions about the city. The gift pauses, then speaks again. Ask your questions. I will hear you. I seek someone named Farah. Do you know of him? That one is not known to me. Uh, can you tell me about Dakon? That's an interesting question. He walks with you. His forehead creases. How is it he is not known to you? <coughs> I was hoping you could tell me something about him. He is not speechless. If you would know him, put the questions to him. Do not insult us both by treating one as a statue. Okay. Uh. Can you tell me where this city is located? This city touches all planes. What do you mean? This city is a cage with many doors. Each door touches another place. 
Why do you call the city a cage? Any structure with locked doors is a cage. Locked doors? Every door in this cage is locked. Each door has its own key. Only then may you leave. Where are these doors located? Everywhere. They number as many as the places they touch. Places like where? The doors of this cage lead to everywhere. Every plane. Every world. Thank you. That is all I wish to know. Hmm. Okay. So... We're going to look up this Quattro character. Uh, Torment. Aha! He's at about 500, 900. Let's see. So that's up here. Quattro's warehouse. Oh, he's in the warehouse! Oh! Of course, it's called Quattro's Warehouse. We go inside the warehouse. That makes sense. Silly, silly Locator. Ah, here's Quattro. Moving from box to box, this man seems to be totally immersed in counting boxes and scribbling results down on a piece of parchment. He looks annoyed as you interrupt him. What is it now? Can't you see I'm busy taking inventory? Go bother someone else. That's my... Terrible arm and shimmerman impression, but I'm channeling a bit of quirk here. I hope that you can pick up on that. I was told to deliver this box to you. Well, why didn't you say so in the first place? Let's see what you got for me. I'm sure it'll need to be inventoried. Mar told me to give this to you. As you hold the box out for him to take, Coatra's expression turns from one of interest to one of intense horror. No, please, get it away from me! I don't understand. Why are you afraid of this box? I said, get back! Death! Evil! Had to do Mark. Couldn't take it anymore. Please. Tabraskin. It lives southwest. Hive. Me. No. Apparently the side of the box is just too much for this man as he runs screaming from the building. Wait. What am I supposed to do? Okay. Uh, so we need to go to the southwest run. All right. Oh my gosh. These hive thugs are gonna be the death of me oh there's a, i go to the next portion and then there's like another hive thug there's just so many hive thugs uh well we got seven coins let's see braskin's kip that sounds like a place or rather, it is a place. Braskin sounds like the right name. Let's go inside Braskin's Kip. See what happens. Okay. This is some sort of house. Like a house house, not a warehouse. Someone named Braskin here. In a loud, booming voice, Braskin asks, What in the name of the abyss are you doing in my house? Leave now, before I make you even more ugly than you already are. I was asked to deliver this box into your care. Well, why didn't you say so? So hand it over and you can be on your way. As you present the box to Braskin, his expression changes from one of anticipation to that of amusement. Whoa there! I won't fall for that trick a second time! Put that thing away and leave! I don't understand. Why won't anyone take this box? First, Kuatra, and now you. Did you say Kuatra? Braskin lets out a great bellow of laughter. Why did that fellow who brought the... That's the fellow who brought the box off me! 
I thought he got the best of me when he bought it. I guess he figured the gem alone was worth more than the price he paid. Poor fellow didn't realize what he'd gotten himself into till it was too late. Just what's so horrible about this box? You mean you really don't know anything about that box you're holding? Well, I guess it won't hurt to tell you what I know. First off, so you don't get any ideas in your head, the curse in that box only affects the current owner of the box, and to be the owner of the box, you have to willingly take possession of it. There goes the idea of just leaving the box for someone else to find. So, what's in the box? That's right, friends, I did it. Now that is a good question. That box has been around the hive since anyone can remember. There are many rumors flying around. As you can imagine, over time, the truth has been warped a little bit further with each retelling of the story. Go on. I've heard many a story about that box, and they all seem to have a recurring theme. The name given to that foul thing is Mordor's Box, and the owner of the box will die should he or anyone else open it. As to the contents, who knows? Some say it's an ancient dragon, while others say it's the evil soul of Mordor himself. I cannot tell for sure, but just by looking at it, and any soul can tell it's something evil, and one would have to be a fool to open it. What am I supposed to do with it? I would suggest you go see Shalandra. She lives in the northeastern region of the Hive. It was from her that I uh, won the box. Who knows, maybe she'll have more knowledge of what to do with it. Or you can find some other curless Burke to take it off your hands. It's up to you, I wish you luck. My journal. Okay. Uh, north, northwestern. I guess we have to go to the northwestern portion, and then we can go to the northeastern portion. Do 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 do. Oh my gosh! Another hive thug. Oh, that's good. What do we got this time? A bronze ring. Surely that was worth our time. All right. Shalandra's hip. So, I mean, it's nice that all these people have houses. You can just you can just find where to talk to people. Ooh, blast! I almost had it that time. Do you know it's dangerous to interrupt spellcasters while they're evoking a spell? Luckily for you, I was only practicing. Well, what is it that you want? I wish to learn more about this box. Can you hold out more to box for Shalandra to examine? Ah, yes, I remember this box well. I acquired it some time ago. What do you wish to know about it? Uh, who did you get this from? Hmm. Let me think. I don't recall whom I got it from. I just remember I was passed down in the marketplace looking for some spell components when some person offered me this box. After testing the box, I found it to be cursed, but was intrigued by the spells woven into the box, so I purchased it anyway. If you were so intrigued with the box, what made you decide to give it away? I was young and brash back then. In my relentless pursuit of knowledge, I carelessly undid one of the spells. Look closely at the box. It was like new when I had it. The signs of decay are an indication that the spells are weakening. I realized I was in danger if I kept the box any longer, so I had to contest to get rid of it. Oh, so I held a contest to get rid of it. A contest? It was the most expedient way to rid myself of it. I simply invited all the bashers in the hive to fight each other to determine who was the best. Bashers are notorious for having big muscles and not much upstairs. So, if you know what I mean, they came like flies to honey. I offered some money and the box as a prize. I believe some bastard named Braskin won the contest. Yeah, I have more questions I wish to ask. Oh, what else do you wish to know? You seem to know something about magic. Can you tell me what spells have been put on this box? 
For many years I studied the box and tried to learn its secrets. Spells upon spells upon spells have been woven into it. To my amazement, my studies revealed that all the spells are of the type used to confine fiends. Fiends? You mean there are fiends trapped within this box? No, not fiends. A fiend. And judging by the sophistication and power of these spells, it would have to be one of significant standing and power in its realm. I have more questions I wish to ask. Uh, can you safely remove the spells on this box? Seeking to remove yourself from the box, eh? That spell is the worst of them all. Basically, that particular spell draws energy from the current owner of the box and uses it to power one of the spells of confinement. That isn't the worst of it. The fiend inside can smell the synergy and would more than likely hunt down that person should it escape. It's really a no-win situation to own that box. Either it drains you dry of your energy, or the fiend within kills you. I see. Do you know the history behind this box? The only thing I've been able to learn is its name. It's called Mordor's Box. As to who this Mordor is or the origin of the box, I do not know. Uh, is there a way to safely dispose of Mordor's Box without hurting anyone? I'm not strong enough to fight or banish such a creature. It's been ages since I've been there, but there was a cathedral located in the middle of the Alley of Dangerous Angles. A priest or someone who gains their power from a higher source might be able to help you. Updated my journal. Well, you've been a great help. Thanks.